Hi again, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin, along with Steve Titchener and John McAlevey. Welcome to the RU Review, presented by LG Insurance, as the Scarlet Knights come off a loss that brought them back to earth a little bit against Penn State on Saturday. They look forward to playing Maryland on Saturday afternoon. We welcome to the show Steve Politti, the noted columnist for NJ.com, NJ Advanced Media, longtime uh, resident of New Jersey. Steve Politti, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks, gentlemen, for having me. I appreciate it. So I'll start off and then we'll let John and Steve chime in. Of course, Um, you had a story that you wrote the other day about your takeaways from Saturday's game. Uh, And I think we have to start with the early punt or what should have been an early punt. Instead, they go for it on fourth and one. They're stymied and then Penn State scores. I'll have to say this, Steve Titchener right away sent a text saying this is a bad move. So this is not a second guess on his part at all. He was in total agreement with those who said, punt the ball, get the field position, try to settle, and thought it was a mistake. What was your take on it, Steve Politi? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with Steve on that one as well. And, and, and you know, two thoughts on it was that, you know, so early in the game. It's just it's a scoreless game. Uh, you know, when you make a decision like that, if it backfires, well, then you are really – you know, that decision then changes the course of the game, which, which is what it did. I mean, Penn State scored in five plays after that. Uh, the other part of it is you, ha- you have the best punter in the Big Ten. So if you do pin them back at the three and you're playing a field position game uh, on a day where, you know, you know Penn State's not going to score 50 points. I don't know. It, it just struck me uh, as as kind of a short-sighted decision. And I understand why. Certainly, I understand why Greg Shannon has been more aggressive uh, with fourth down calls than, you know, Chris Ash or the predecessors. He knows his team has, you know, it, it's very little limited margin of error. And it's worked a lot of times this year uh, in that situation. I just, I just didn't think it was the right time or place. Yeah. And coming a week after Steve, the, the Purdue game where the offensive line, um, I wouldn't say had their way with the Boilermakers, but really were able to move their defensive line off the ball. Johnny Langan did his thing in the fourth quarter. They were to uh, really run the ball down their throats to salt that game away. Um, Penn State was uh, was a completely different situation. The Nittany Lions controlled the line of scrimmage, which you pointed out, which was painfully, painfully obvious for anyone that watched the game. Um, and so, um, you know, they do have a lot of feel-good stories, but at the end of the day, a lot of this starts up front and the lack of depth and the lack of push on both the offensive and defensive lines really showed itself on Saturday. Did it not? Yeah. And that was the first time. And believe me, we all went into the season thinking that was going to be the problem. Like it was just hard for me to be optimistic about this year because I'd been watching this program and I knew, you know, what was coming back on both sides of the ball up front. It was not a big 10 offensive or defensive line. They got manhandled throughout the Chris Ash era, I, I thought it was going to be much of the same. And then when it wasn't, you know, when they came out against Michigan State, like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, yeah. And they looked like a, they looked like an offensive line that could they could block, you know, kind of raised expectations. Uh, and, you know, this was the first game I thought, all right, this is start. This looked like uh, 2018, 2019 uh, game in a lot of ways, just because Penn State, I mean, they might have been one in five, but. They've just been recruiting at just a higher level, and especially on those hard-to-get positions with just big bodies on, on both lines. And, it, you know, it was really evident right away from the, from the first couple of drives that that was going to be a problem. Yeah, and it's as if, you know, Franklin just said, hey, guys, we're bigger, we're stronger, let's go out and show it. And they certainly did. 
know, so back to those early decisions. I mean, give yourself a chance. I mean, I understand Shiano he has an aggressive he's going about it. He wants to have an aggressive mindset. And that's what he's done so far. But, you know, go back to the game. We didn't talk about they had the win with them to it. And of course, not only an excellent punter, but a very good situational punter. Could have yeah. got them down, you know, pinned them inside the 10, the 5 in that situation. And you just would have had a better spot. I mean, look, we're second-guessing ourselves. But, but two short fields they gave Penn State. And, you know, the way Penn State was you know, as physical as they were, they just it, it, it didn't give them a shot. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are, are, are echoing the same thing that Steve and I are echoing. It's like, listen, it's just, you know, punt. You know, in that situation, it, being aggressive hurt, uh, hurt the position in the game, frankly. Yeah, I, I, thought, part, I thought part of the problem maybe was – that they had so much success with that Johnny Langan uh, offense against Purdue. I mean, what they did in the fourth quarter of that game was, was really incredible. They held the ball for like 13 and a half minutes. Yeah. I mean, it was just right. amazing the way they were able to just end that game by just four yards, three yards, two yards, four yards. Uh, and I think they just thought, all right, well, it worked. It worked last week. Uh, you know, it should work this week. And then, you know, it just was against a different uh, defensive front that was ready for it, that knew exactly what they were going to do, and they blew it up. Yeah. Yeah, and I, even in the uh, second half of last week's show, I said, listen, they're not going to – there's just too much beef up front. They're not going to be able to push Penn State around. The Langan Express is not going to work in this game. It's not like I got a crystal ball. It's just math, guys. I mean, listen, we got, we got duped into this idea that Penn State wasn't Penn State. But, you know, there's a lot of issues going on with this whole COVID thing and how people are preparing and how teams are preparing. There's one story I heard where Franklin sent all of the whole team home once he thought, once the Big Ten pulled the plug and then he was behind the eight ball moving forward. That's at least a Penn State fan said to me. I don't know how true that is, but they clearly got their feet under him against Michigan. And, you know, look, they're, they're not, come on. They, they were a top, at least a top 20 team, and they probably are back to that form now. I mean, but because they were, who knows what was going on against Maryland and Nebraska and Iowa. They, were, they, just, they just got clobbered. But they look more like the Penn State team that played last year. Probably not as good, obviously, because they have struggled considerably. But still, it's, it's still Penn State. And boy, did they show them on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, you could you can certainly see it that they you're not just big. We talked about obviously they just had a size advantage, but they also had speed to the outside. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's hard to understand. Again, it's not that hard. To, they, they had one stinker against you know uh, against Ohio State, but then they took they took Indiana to the pylon at the, in that game that they nearly won. So I mean, it's yeah. not like they were getting destroyed. Then they came out and they showed when they beat Michigan. You're like, okay, well, you know, I thought that might actually help. I thought that actually helped Rutgers because, all right, now that they got their one win, are they going to just kind of fold on the season? But instead, the opposite happened. You know, they they were prideful, they played harder, they were prepared, and yeah, that's that's what happens when you. That's what happens when a better team comes comes to your stadium like that. Well, the thing I would maintain, though, and you know, Steve Titchener, you said second guess. No, you were right on it. I mean, that was your first impression. What are you doing here? But and but. That is what Greg Schiano is. I said earlier the loss brought Rutgers back to earth because there's a lot of excitement about what he has brought to the program. Schiano's obviously elevated their profile. They're a better team. He's a better coach than they've had uh, under Ash, clearly. So there are a lot of positives. And this is what he's done. He, I think he's coaching as much for the recruits. He would never admit it if he was sitting here. Nope, it's all about this game, right? We're 1-0. That's what we're looking for. I get. I think he's been sending a message all year long 
this is a different Rutgers. We're going to be aggressive. And he's calling these recruits and saying, look, you can see we're going to be better and you'll be a part of our future. So, yes, it might have made sense given the circumstances, the wind and an opponent that was had been out recruiting you for years and so would out talent you that you should punt the ball away. But that's not that's not the message he's been sending. So I see why he did it. It worked against a lesser team, Purdue, and he was going to try to jam it down Penn State's throat. You know, it didn't work. Given the disparity in talent, maybe that was his early best shot, if you know what I mean. Let's get this first down, get the mo on our side and and we'll we'll take these guys at least to the very end instead it backfired. So I, I I, I do understand where he's coming from. Steve Politi, do you think he's been coaching for next year as much as he's been coaching for this year? Oh, there's no question. I mean, I, I, I totally think that the biggest thing Greg Shama had to do this year was change the narrative about Rutgers football. And, you know, no matter what record they finish with, you know, if, if it looked like it might be two and nine, if, even if it's three and six, I don't think people are going to see that and go, oh, Rutgers is only two and seven. They're going to say, hey, you know, Rutgers – it looks like it's turning the corner. It looks like it's playing, you know, look, look what they did. Like, and even, even examples earlier in the season, like I thought it was so important was that Indiana game where, you know, it was, it was a lopsided loss, but, but people weren't talking about that. They were talking about the crazy play at the end when, Hey, look what Rutgers did. You know, Rutgers wasn't going to, wasn't going to roll over and fold. They're just throwing the ball around the offensive tackle, throwing the ball over his head. Like it was a bridesmaid at a wedding. You know I mean? Like all, all this stuff. And it's just like, it was just talking about something else other than, and Rutgers getting beaten up. And I, you know, I do totally believe that. And I, I think he, you know, he wanted to not only send the message to recruits, Matt, but he also wanted to, to build the culture within the team. Like, and, and that, that was even more important because if you want, if you watch those games last year, I mean, you know, they would go on the, they would go out in that field and it would be 40 to nothing. And they were, they were punching, they were punching the car, you know, like, Oh, well, here we, here we go again. So uh, I think that year, this year, you see, you, you saw a much different, much different culture within the team with the, and I know they love talking about the keep chopping, but you know, that team was down 10 points to Purdue and came back and won that game. So yeah. I think establishing that was just a very, very important thing he had to do this year. Culture matters, right, Steve. And, and that when he walked in the door, uh, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. And I keep saying that one and it's really worked. He's brought that mentality with him from all of his stops. Um, and, and this year, like he said, he won't admit it, but his biggest wins this year may not be coming on the field. They're coming in living rooms and in kitchens of, of players that will, will suit up in 21, 22 and 23, uh, down the road. How about, you know, there's that old saying, if you have three quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. So what do you think the plan is moving forward? We know what Noah Vedral is. He's, uh, he's sort of a hot and cold. He can get out and run a little bit. Um, he doesn't have the strongest arm. Uh, Johnny Langan is sort of your Taysom Hill light. I mean, he's coming in the game and you know he's just going to run the ball or he's going to throw like that seven-yard slant that uh, they took to the house a week ago. Uh, and then you have the big-armed Art Sitkowski, who I thought maybe would get a chance watching the game on Saturday. The sideline reporter kept talking about her weather app that was saying how windy it was. And I thought, geez, they got one guy on the team who's got supposedly a howitzer of an arm who could maybe cut through the winds at SHI Stadium. Maybe they give him a shot he was nowhere to be found what, what do you think the the mindset is moving forward with the quarterback position for the rest of this year and then maybe look into your crystal ball for next year yeah i mean i don't think they think they've got three quarterbacks i mean i think they think noah vedrill is their quarterback uh I, I i get the impression that he won the job 
not convincingly, certainly that uh, they identified early on that he was the best quarterback for the way they want to run the offense. I mean, he threw for almost 40 yards in Michigan. Let's not forget that. Uh, he's, he's more accurate. He, he gets them into the right place. He, you know, despite what Matt Millen said on television, he is, he is an excellent runner who, you know, <laughs> managed, who manages to, you know, make 10 yards out of nothing. And he pulled himself you know, just off the precipice, didn't he? Matt he, Millen. Yes, he <laughs> saved his broadcasting career with one, with one half syllable, unfortunately. Um, but, I mean, so I, I think, I don't think they, uh, and I know the, the fan base is sort of obsessed with Art's arm, but you get Art's arm and you also get his, his, his decision-making. You even saw it in that game against Purdue when he's, you know, locking down receivers and, you know, he, he still, he still throws in the coverage. He's still, you know, he is still the guy who, you know, th- was, uh, obviously he's gotten a lot better, but uh, he's a mistake prone quarterback. And I think they, you know, they like the fact that while Vedros had his, bad has bad games too, uh, that he's just more of an accurate guy. Now what that means next year, I, I, I'm not sure. I think certainly you would, you know, if all three come back, you would believe that would be Vedral with a year of experience would be the guy. Um, you know, I don't know what happens to if, if Greg Shannon is going to want to play a younger guy, someone not in the program. I, I don't think the quarterback, there's another quarterback in the program right now who would challenge for the top spot, but you don't know. I mean, really it's just, um, there's just a lot of uh, there's just a lot of unknown whether or not he you know, he'll go back to the grad transfer market again is a possibility. He certainly, you know, remade reshaped this team with that uh, with that approach oh, this season, so he could do it again. But right now, I think you are you are looking at what they're doing with quarterbacks this year is the most likely thing what they do next year. We're going to take a break here and hear from our sponsor, LG Insurance, before we do go to the break, in case you missed it, any of the listeners who might have missed it. Matt Millen, in analyzing a uh, Noah Vedral run, said he he runs like a good and he just pulled himself back from saying he runs like a girl and he saved himself. Yeah. And uh, anyway, it's a pretty it's a pretty funny clip if you can find it, because he came awfully close to uh, a lot of uh, I apologize, apologize if I offended anybody. I didn't mean it, but it didn't happen. Thank you. But you knew what was in his head. <laughs> well, Matt, hold on on that one. Can Matt, Matt Millen give us a break, please? I mean, not even a little bit of balance. My goodness, the Penn State home that he was on that. that you know, was, and, you know, my, my phone was blowing up with it. I mean, you know, listen, you got to get in the, it's somewhere in the middle. But boy, yeah, was but he, he, the homework thing is one thing. The, the lack of it's just the unprepared part of it that is just amazing <laughs> to me. I just don't, you know. I mean, if you uh, to, to not to, okay, great. Yeah, I agree that that no adventure was was at times avoiding contact, but it didn't take much of a Google search to know the guy didn't play last week. He was probably hurt. Yeah, I mean, you play, I yeah. mean, there's some. So he was not physically 100. percent So you, he ran the ball 14 times. Yeah, I I bet that he was trying to avoid getting thrown yeah, into the earth and having a short. I, absolutely. So yeah. hey, that's there's there's many things about watching the games on TV now in our COVID world that I <laughs> I, I despise. I'd rather be in the stadium and, and, top, and the top five is listening to Matt Millen. <laughs> yes, yeah, one of the all-time Penn State greats, and he lives Nittany Lions. That's for sure. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. With more with Steve Politi right after this. At LG Insurance Agency, our exceptional staff of agents shop seven insurance carriers to help you get the best pricing and value for your home, car, and business insurance. LG Insurance Agency is the destination for all of your insurance needs. 
lginsuranceagency.com or search LG Insurance Agency. Welcome back to the RU Review presented by LG Insurance. I'm Matt Lachlan along with Steve Titchener and John McAlevey, the uh, regular trio. We're pleased to be joined by NJ.com, uh, NJ Advanced Media columnist Steve Politi on this week's show. Steve Titchener, I'll turn things over to you. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Maryland's coming up, and uh, I'll tell you, you know, it's another situation. You know, Maryland, hot and cold. Let, let's see what uh, – you know, let's see what Rutgers can do moving forward. I mean, this is a winnable game, but you know, Maryland uh, has has played a pretty good, a couple pretty good games this year. Yeah, and I don't know. This might be the situation where Rutgers' success in, vo- in avoiding a COVID outbreak becomes their undoing. And then Maryland's only played four games, and, and you know, given what Rutgers has depth wise, and the fact that they've never played this many Big Ten games back to back to back to back to back, you know, I wonder if they're starting to wear down. Yeah, I mean, I, I, they certainly will say they're not, but yeah, I mean, the the, the second the second teamers be are certainly a drop off for for Rutgers at this point with with what with what Greg Shannon inherited. Met um, Maryland would be the fresher team. I don't doesn't mean they're going to be the crisper team. Uh, they're certainly very talented. They've got a lot of speed. They've got uh, they didn't run the ball well. I mean, obviously, uh, to his little brother is quite a quarterback. Uh, it looks like a bad matchup on paper, but you know, I do wonder. If this is a game where you're going to see some of the improvements in the coaching staff come through for Rutgers, you know, especially on the offensive side, I think they will score against Maryland. And you Maryland. mentioned it. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead see, John. I was just going to ask you. You mentioned earlier uh, about wishing that you could be at the stadium to cover the game. I mean, we're all living through this n- national and and you know nightmare. Uh, worldwide nightmare. What is a day in the life of someone who's usually at the stadium? You know, you get there early, you chat with your buddies, you have a have a donut and some coffee, get ready for the game, and then you know start formulating what you're going to write. What is it like now that you're home or wherever you are watching these games and uh, and preparing? Um, how is it different than uh, say 2019 or 2018 or 2012 for for that matter? Yeah, I mean it couldn't be any more different. And and to be clear, we we, we can go to the games we are allowed into the press box uh it's a socially distanced mask wearing situation but you know i went to the first giants home game and sat in the press box and you know with my mask and found myself watching a lot of the game on tv and then the interviews are all done on zoom anyway so it's not like you can go into the locker room and pull a guy to pull a guy aside the stuff that really the valuable part of being a sports writer for me and, and covering these teams and being around these teams is being able to, you know, talk to people that, you know, talk to people who have insight, not even on the team, but I love going to Rutgers stadium before the game and wandering through the parking lot and seeing these, these alums who have been there for 30 years. They know, they know more about <laughs> what's going on in Rutgers than, you know, yeah. than, than I do sometimes. And that, that's a big benefit that I'm, that I'm missing now. I mean, it's just that uh, because they're not there because there's no, post-game availability I can get. And, and because really, you know, the, the least valuable part of going to the game for me is watching it unfold on the field. Sure. I just decided to I decided to stay at home and, and, and do the game on TV and, and cover from here. It's really not a great situation at all, but given what's going on in the world, it's just, it just seemed like the right decision. 
So you got a big dose of Matt Millen. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the funny part. Like I said this, like I really, when fans complained about Matt Millen, I said, oh, I mean, he seems like a nice guy. I had no idea. (laughs) Yeah, I just haven't watched, you know, I haven't watched as much football as uh, on television because I'm always either at a game and if I'm, if I'm not at a game, then I would like to watch, you know, some programming on Netflix. I would like to do that too. So, uh, yeah, it's just been a really eye-opening to, to experience it, like fans do experience it. Now, this is a Maryland team, Steve, that beat up Penn State, a team that just beat up Rutgers. Well, I don't know why that's a little harsh beat up. As a matter of fact, Rutgers, at least in that game, the silver lining in that game on Saturday, was Rutgers did whole court, that, you know, the second half, they at least calmed things down. And, uh, you know, Franklin probably would have wanted to step on the pedal. And uh, and beat them up, and that that didn't happen. It was a respectable score, so at least that at least they they made it respectable. But now Maryland, you know, d- did a number on Penn State. Then this is my point. I think it was Penn State in those lost weeks where they just didn't know where they were as a team and they weren't prepared. I mean, they're back, but still, Maryland did a number on them, and, and it's it's a it's a, it seems to be a hot and cold team. Yeah, it's, it's a team that that's an explosive team, Steve. What, what, yeah. what are you seeing on Saturday? It's really hard to to know. I mean, when they lost the opener forty three to three against Northwestern, and then really didn't do anything at all offensively against Indiana. Granted, Indiana is, is as we've seen, a very good defensive team, you know. But then they scored forty four, forty five points against Minnesota and thirty five against that same Penn State. Yeah, you're right. It's just a very hard team to figure out. I think they will move the ball against the Rutgers defense. That you know, that I think we're seeing. Uh, where the limitations are, you know, this could be one of these games that comes down to, you know, who, who gets the most turnovers, who creates the, you know, creates the better plays on special teams. You know, those are two things that, you know, Rutgers has had some big plays on special teams. Greg Shannon not afraid to dial up a punt block. Is this the game that we, you know, we see another Aaron Krushank, uh, uh, you know, pickoff return that, that, that turns the tide. I don't know. I, I do think that I was a little surprised by, uh, the line being a nine and a half. I, I, you know, I do think it'll be a closer game than that. And I mean, you know, but we'll, we'll see exactly how much Rutgers has left in the tank pretty early on. In that case, you know, with an explosive Maryland offense, it, Rutgers absolutely has to move the ball. And I think they can possibly run this week. Maryland's run defense. Isn't that great? You've got a line that may, doesn't have as much, you know, uh, frankly, weight and size. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they can possibly run because here's the thing we've been talking about how well uh, Rutgers offensive lines played. They have done pretty well in pass protection, but they haven't opened some big holes for Pacheco at all. Pacheco's not had a lot of room to run it. Maybe this Saturday he can have a little bit of room. Yeah, and that, that's been a big surprise to me. Not just the, the fact that he hasn't had a, a big game, but the, the limited carries. He only had five touches against Penn State. I get that game was a little different. You know, I thought that he would certainly be the focal point of the Rutgers offense. And that hasn't been the case. So I, I guess we'll see what, what, you know, Sean Gleason dials up. And uh, I mean, you know, of all the things that the developments in this Rutgers program this year, I think one of the most positive ones was that Greg Shannon went out, identified and hired Sean Gleason as his offensive coordinator, because, you know, fans might quibble with a call here or a decision there, given what this offense was, it was the worst in power five football by a, by a mile, the previous three years. Now it's right in the middle. It's an average offense, which I mean, you can say, well, gee, it's still average, but it just, it is an incredible improvement on so many levels, you know, and in the, the thing that's, that's the best about what he's done is he has been very situationally, you know, here's a guy, here's a guy who built an offense that threw for 40 yards against Michigan. And the next week, 
you know, essentially abandon that to, to run the ball up the middle against Purdue to win that game. I mean, it, it, it's, it's really a, he's a creative, adaptable guy who isn't, isn't afraid to throw some things out there that, that they go, wow. Uh, so I do think you're right. They will move the ball. I wonder if this is the game where you'll finally see uh, Rutgers, you know, just get in there with Pacheco, give him 25, 20, 25 carries and run the ball. That would be a sound strategy against Maryland. Well, with Sean Gleason, you just never know. And uh, an innovative coach, he kind of came on the scene at Princeton, and now Rutgers glad to have him as the OC. But they have to dial it up because the defense, to me, has been disappointing this year. And maybe it's just talent. What do you think, Steve? You know, it, I think it, it's it's hard to say. The first, the first game they came out, they got uh, seven turnovers, and you thought, okay, this is going to be the aggressive style that you want to see. I think teams are kind of figuring out that, all right, there they are. While they are fast up front and they get they, they dive and they get in the holes, they can also you can also manage that by you know doing some counter plays and and, and pushing pushing guys aside. Uh, and while they're strong at linebacker, you know they're still they're still not uh, a, a great team in the secondary, and they've they've had some issues covering people. Um, I haven't gotten to the quarterback the way I you know I think that's a, I think that's something that Greg Shannon will you know will need to address. They have to find a way they can get you know get get uh, get pass rushing without blitzing and then get guys and disrupt, disrupt up front. Um, but you know, that, again, that, yeah, that, that, uh, that takes time. It takes time. I mean, they've got certainly in Oh three, one of the, the best linebackers in the league and they've got, they've gotten more out of the defensive front than, than you might've expected. But overall, I would agree that if you're, if you're grading offense, defense, special teams, you probably get the defense lowest grade. And I say that with the understanding that, it's basically the same team. But yeah, he plugged people in in some critical spots in the transfer portal, but it's essentially the same team that Chris Ash ended with last year. So it's amazing what he's done. And Steve Titchener and I discuss this virtually every week because Steve's a graduate. He's a season ticket holder as well. So just like Matt Millen, he bleeds the school's colors, except it's scarlet and white and not uh, blue and white. Anyway, Anything that happens this year in a positive note, you've got to be you got to be excited about. Uh, and so for me to say the defense has been disappointing, look, it is what it is. It's it's an entirely rebuilding situation for Greg Schiano. I mean, it's taken it down to the studs and beyond for sure. Uh, so the fact that they've won two Big Ten games, yeah, you want more. You had some games in your grasp, but you couldn't put them away. That's disappointing. But my goodness, it's roses and sunshine in, in from my perspective. Right. I, I totally agree. And if it's, you know, if you're a realistic Rutgers fan, you know, I, I, I think if I, if I were to write down the eight things that happened, had to happen this year for, for Greg Shannon in his first year, I think he's already checked all eight, you know, I mean, ended the big 10 losing streak. He proved you could play with these teams like Michigan and Michigan state, you know, I mean, he changed the narrative. I think he's got to hold together for the most part of a very good recruiting class. I mean, yeah, that's, that's what you wanted to say. The fact that you can, you know, this, this is no small thing. You can turn on the TV on, on, on Saturday and have a feeling like, Oh, we, we could win this game. You didn't have that feeling last year. You played Maryland last year. I remember that was right after Chris Ash was fired. 
the line was something like, you know, 10, Maryland minus 10. I seriously thought about just taking every dime I had (laughs) driving to the nearest across the border because I just, there's no way that Maryland's going to destroy them. And they did, you know, you just, you just knew things. I mean, just, it was like, it was all very predictable. So, you know, the fact that they've given you some legit thrills, won a couple games, could have won a couple more. And most importantly, you know, you're going to go into this off season thinking, all right, if there's a regular old college football season next year, right? Where you play three non-conference games and you play, you know, the big 10 schedule, uh, you know, you think you can, you can think that this team could be six and six, seven to five and go to a bowl game. And I think that would be ahead of schedule. Certainly. Well, but here, Steve, yeah. last one from me. Um, and, and I don't mean to switch things up a little bit guys, but you know, I'm a basketball guy. I figured, so switch it up, uh, Johnny boy, switch it up. I had you here. Yeah. What are your initial impressions of Steve Peichel uh, and the basketball team, I know they really haven't played anybody big yet. They'll get that opportunity tonight, at least in name, uh, when they welcome Syracuse to town. They haven't beaten the Orange since the, the great Hervé Lamazana was on the banks. Wow. And so, uh, yeah, what are what are your initial impressions of uh, the Steve Peichel Five and, and uh, the, uh, the Scarlet Knights hoop team? Yeah. I mean, looking good. That's, 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 that's pretty much, I like, like you, I, I, they had not played a real team. And I, you know, I wonder even more about the impact of COVID on college basketball and college football, because, you know, now you're in a situation where, all right, to make the NCAA tournament, they have to, they're not going to play a lot of non-conference games. They're going to have to build their resume within conference. You know, if they stumble, lose a game, then have some cancellations, you know, this, this year is going to be very unpredictable, but assuming things go off, the way they should, I do think they will be one of the better teams in the Big Ten. I think Ron Harper Jr. will, I mean, I think he's just an incredible steal of a, of a recruit and player. He's developing the way you would want a, a four-year player to develop in your program this year, Rutgers. You know, I mean, I think the freshmen are all uh, going to make contributions. I was worried about losing a guy like Yaboa, who was kind of a glue guy, who played defense, yeah. who could do the three, but they seem to, you know, they seem to replace that. And, and Jacob Young is, looks like he's, he, he's, he's a little bit better, uh, you know, overall. They got the big kid Cliffy up front who, who you know, I mean, is going to be a shot blocker, all, you know, a guy who can you know, alter shots. And then and, and Miles Johnson, so they've got two Big Ken, when was the last time Rutgers had two, you know, real legit college centers? I mean, they won. Yeah. The last time they made the NIT was like they had six five Rashawn Kent in the middle. You know, like this uh-huh. is a real. This is like a real college. This is what a real college basketball team should look like. So, uh-huh. yeah, I would be optimistic if I was a Rutgers fan, with the asterisks of you just don't know what is going to happen with COVID this this winter. Yeah, they're going to be. Uh, it's going to be an exciting season. Just hope that uh, they can get these games in. If there's not going to, not going to be a lot cancellations and such steve one more uh back to football one more for me and i'm going to commiserate a little bit with you because we've got to commiserate with and i want to go back to that could open there's just no question that that shiano's done a phenomenal job and he's probably ahead of schedule without question just how much ahead of schedule there's some possibilities there let's go back to those two games i mean that that run of that illinois and michigan game it wasn't they were just so close to winning both of those games so close it's kind of it's kind of it absolutely stings as a Rutgers fan to fall short on that because then you you possibly could have had that uh, that that bowl bid in the first season which would have been absolutely amazing no question Shannon's done a fantastic job the future's bright but just so close right 
Yeah, and it's hard, you know, like the you know, a lot of people got upset with Chiano for setting up the field goal in the in the in overtime against Michigan. You know, it's a 45 yard kick. All right. So yeah, he, he, you can, you should kind of count on a college kicker to make it. Obviously they still have some issues in the kicking game. They you know, took a kid off the soccer team and put him in there. He's, he's been okay, but he hasn't been great. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's one you'd, you would have liked to have, you have stolen, but I don't think, I think if I told you before the season, yeah, you got to be in triple overtime against Michigan, given, you know, how those scores have been the last few years, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, no, no way. Uh, the Illinois game feels like a, that, that one to me is more of a missed opportunity because you, you know, you, you really had a lead in that game. Illinois is not as good and you're moving the ball late. Now the, the, that's the one in-game decision that I, really question would was throwing the, the ball there on first down you had first and 10 you were you had a lot of time on the clock you're moving into illinois territory you know i would have liked to see pacheco two more times and yeah you know and, and and then and then throw a pass on third down if you had to uh instead the ball is picked off and that that one to me was the bigger regret yeah but you're right i mean you know that's that's the glass half empty look if you want to uh that, that they definitely had that definitely had two chances there to you know really really make a make this as as you know season people didn't expect. Well and the half full size of course is if you look at the season you go, hey, got a shot against Illinois, got a shot against Purdue, maybe two wins here. And they they get the they steal a big game against Michigan State where they get seven turnovers. And then, you know, the disappointing loss yet at Illinois. But I think the highlight of the season really is Steve is that second half against Purdue. I mean they really stepped up and, and it was just an amazing half of football. I was the most exciting uh uh, uh, part of the season to me. And yeah, again, two wins, you'll take it. And the, the, the uh, program is absolutely moving in the right direction. There's no question about it. Yeah, the Purdue game is, I think, the most unexpected win that I've, yeah. that I've seen for Rutgers in Big Ten, just because I thought they were getting, it looked like they were getting physically dominated. They're down at halftime, 10 points. You're like, okay, well, this, you know, this run is over. And to kind of flip that narrative and to come back and won the way they won the way they did, you know that that to me was a a certainly a game they were not going to win uh, in in previous <laughs> previous coaching staffs. So that yeah, that was that was certainly uh, the uh, the the one the the one that you'll put in the uh, in the scrapbook first. Like Matt, maybe the one time that that Rutgers defense did step up, the big interception from Torre, and they held held ground there. So that was one good positive uh, half of football on the defensive end for sure. It was indeed as uh, an all part of Rutgers' first year under uh, Greg Schiano 2.0. Steve Politi, thanks very much for joining us on this week's show. I'm sure most of our listeners know where they can get Rutgers information on NJ.com, but why don't you tell them about all the things that you guys provide and uh, you know uh, what they need to know if they haven't already signed up for certain subscription services. Sure. Yeah. NGA.com slash insider. We've launched a subscription based service where, you know, not only do you get uh, enhanced coverage this year, but if you're so inclined, we, we, you know, have been offering a tech service where we give you, you know, up to the minute breaking news and other insights directly to your phone during the course of uh, the day and during the course of games. So that's kind of been a fun way that we've been able to interact with, uh, with readers in the Rutgers fan base that we hadn't had uh, before. So, uh, you know, six bucks a month. It's not. It's a couple of cups of coffee. It's not, it's not a bad deal. <laughs> not a bad deal at all, along with all the other things that are provided by you and your compadres at NJ.com. Steve, thanks very much for joining us this week. Anytime, guys. Glad to do it. Steve. Bye, Steve.
Steve Politi joining us on this week's show as uh, we conclude RU Review presented by LG Insurance. Maryland on the horizon. We'll see what happens in the final regular season game of uh, this year as uh, the Scarlet Knights look for win number three on the year. For Steve Titchener and John McAleve, I'm Matt Lachlan. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.